Kurdistan in Swahili is dedicated to all you beautiful people around the world. We say Jumbo! Podcast. I'm Richard Lewis, your host, as we discuss issues related to global missions and the worldwide outreach of the Great Commission. Today's guest on the Global Mission Podcast, which was recorded several weeks ago, is a friend of mine by the name of Dr. Ian Payne, who lives in New Zealand. Dr. Payne and myself uh, became friends, got to know each other when we were teaching, both of us teaching at SIAX in Bangalore, India. Ian, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Richard. It's great to be here and to share my story and uh, passion for missions as well. Uh, yeah, it, it was great just reflecting uh, these last few minutes uh, when we met at SIAX in India, uh, it's it's amazing how God draws people together in ministry, and uh, we become friends. Uh, and, and you know, you're sitting in minus 15 degrees centigrade <laughs> over there, and and I'm plus 15 degrees over here in Auckland. <laughs> okay, we, we share a lot of in common. Yeah, we do. We we do. Well, listen, uh, Ian, again, it's, it's good to have you on this podcast. And um, uh, as I begin uh, all my interviews, uh, I'd like for you just to kind of share your story. Now, I thought you were born in India, but uh, that's not true. Why don't you pick it, pick it up? And first of all, uh, how did you get to India? <laughs> uh, well, it's nearly correct. And uh, often people think that I was born there, but I, my, my parents were missionaries in India. They were in Kerala. And uh, so I was born on one of their home assignments. And uh, so back in 1956, mm. so uh, born in New Zealand, but they took me back as a small living bundle um, when I <laughs> was probably before the age of one, as far as I know. Uh, how, long, how long did you live there throughout uh, your growing up years? Yes, yes. Uh, I was uh, at school there until 11, 11 and a half, when I returned in 1967. So mm. uh, a lot of my formative years uh, were, were there. I went to school at uh, Hebron School up in the Milgary Hills. Uh, a lot of missionaries' children were sent there. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, so it was a beautiful experience to enjoy India and get to know and love the food, uh, the tone and culture of the people. Yeah. So uh, do you, did you uh, learn Malayalam while you were there? I learned a smattering of words. No, I never had the chance. And uh, even more recently in the 10 years uh, that I've been there, I didn't have the chance to, I didn't make the chance to learn a language. I yeah. learned a smattering of four different languages, hmm. which was quite useful. Yeah, you know, when uh, kids growing up, you know, my daughters, they grew up at uh, Rift Valley Academy in Kenya. And, 
And, uh, you know, they know a smattering of Swahili, but uh, because they were in school uh, with uh, other English speakers, they didn't really didn't, uh, uh, you know, they didn't apply themselves to learning language, which quite honestly, I think they kind of regret now uh, in hindsight. But uh, so at the age of 11, you went back, uh, did your parents go back uh, when you were 11 or did you go back to school in, in New Zealand by yourself? How did that work? Uh, yeah, they returned. I think my mother's father died and so mum was needed back home. So we returned and I went into uh, what we'd call intermediate school, started uh, college a year or so later. Uh, that'd be secondary school in American terms. So mm -hmm. yeah, um, that was quite a, a transition uh, as a uh, what we'd now call a third culture kid. Uh, yeah. I found it very strange um, entering New Zealand. Uh, didn't know how things worked or so. Uh, yeah. Didn't know the history. Nobody ever taught me New Zealand history. I've had to learn it all myself. So there, there was uh, some transition uh, that left me pretty shy. I was uh, an introvert and um, yeah, it, it was, uh, uh, an interesting journey as a young man to look back on India. Mm. I never thought of going back to India at all um, for many years. I grew up, uh, I did architecture at university and I married um, Judith. I've got three beautiful daughters mm -hmm. and uh, they were all in place, shall we say. <laughs> Um, before I thought of going back to India. And the way that came about was I'd been increasingly interested in serving our church and leadership and eldership capacity. And I'd done a Bachelor of Divinity part-time while I was practicing architecture. And I thought, well, maybe uh, what what I need to do is, is get a master's somewhere. Maybe I'll go to North America and so uh, with a friend, we explored going to Vancouver and when the, the financial figures came back, uh, <laughs> just about blew us off the planet. <laughs> yeah, right. Taking <laughs> so, a family of five, it was gonna cost a mountain and mm. it, that was for 10 months. So uh, I, I gave that away. And then someone said, well, why don't you, why don't you study in the majority world? And I thought, mm. oh, okay, mm. that could be interesting. And uh, he happened to be connected with accreditation in Asia Theological Association. And he told me of 10 places that he would recommend. So two of those places were in India. Mm. And suddenly a light bulb went off in my head and said, oh, if I studied in India, I could return to where some of my childhood was. Mm. So. Uh, that was how we ended up uh, going to SIAX in Bangalore. Uh, SIAX is the South Asia Institute of Advanced Christian Studies. And for, as far as I knew, it was sort of an agricultural style barn type of dung floor uh, campus. <laughs> uh, and I had no idea what I was going to. Yeah. So, it was rather a shock to arrive to discover well-built campus and houses and and it was a joy studying at SIAX. 
<laughs> so you actually uh, uh, received your uh, your graduate studies at SIAX. I didn't realize that. Yes. And you received your uh, MDiv there, or what was your studies there at SIAX? So I'd done a BD, so they accepted me for an MTH and okay. persuaded me to do it in the theology department, which I love now. So, um, yeah, so Master of Theology, that was a two-year program. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was really very, very exciting to learn in that context with uh, South Asian students. Uh, I learned so much from you know, having a prayer partner who was, was a good, good um, dedicated chap and uh, classmates who were leading churches of 1,000 members and mission, missionary friends who were, one guy had just returned from 16 years of service in the mission field and, and got malaria every year. Uh, so, you know, I was really... Uh, really challenged and, and blessed by studying in that context. Mm. Able to visit all sorts of Hindu and Muslim religious places as part of my studies. Uh, began a journey on in my area of interest in terms of epistemology and knowledge uh, and apologetics that has been a real adventure and a joy. Yeah, so it was a great experience. Our kids loved it. So um, when they when we returned in 1996, uh, that we, we came back to New Zealand considering an invitation from SIACS to return as faculty, which we did uh, for four and a half years until uh, early 2000. Um, so that was also a, a, an adventure. Sure. And uh, uh, yeah, and getting a visa for both these, both being a student and being a, a faculty was a major uh, surprise, a miracle really that we got it. Huh. Uh, I was the first person ever to go to SIACS on a student visa uh, from international uh, situations. So huh. that was quite exciting. Uh, in fact, we had to wait 16 weeks for it and I was three months late in my studies, but eventually the miracle happened and it, yeah. the visa came through. So after you finish your MTH, uh, now you were a principal in between, uh, after MTH you went back to New Zealand. Uh, is that when you became the principal of a Bible college? Did I get that uh, right? Nearly, not quite. Um, first of all, I was faculty at SIACS and doing their publishing department um, for four or five years. Then I started a PhD uh, with the University of Aberdeen in Scotland. So uh, I did that in theology and while I was working at SIACS. So because uh, SIAX is a place of research. I was able to do what they call a split site PhD. Mm. So that I visited Aberdeen for a total of five months over three occasions mm -hmm. and left the family in India and uh, went to Aberdeen by myself and met my supervisor. Had a ball, absolute ball. Um, really loved the adventure of my studies. Although absolutely cut in half by being away from the family, it yeah. felt awful. So yeah. very strange feeling being on an adventure like that. Yeah, yeah. So okay. then yeah, the return, 
I returned and finished my PhD in New Zealand. And when I'd finished that, I became the principal of a Bible school in New Zealand. Okay. Uh, that's called Pathways College, okay. Pathways College of Bible Mission. And so it, it was, that was a very interesting journey. Uh -huh. uh, we inherited a, a college which was in residential mode and in serious decline. I think we had 11 students and uh, the writing was on the wall. So uh, <laughs> I, I re-envisaged it as a ministry internship school and which shares the training of, of young men and women uh, with the local church that they're part of. Mm. So it was a sort of a 50-50 uh, learning at block courses and learning at in practice at the school. And that uh, has really transformed the school. It's, it's now had up to 60 people a year. Mm. Uh, you know, I think it's, it, it varies, but um, it's very exciting to see the, the impact that that school is now making. Yeah. So now while you were there in New Zealand as the principal, uh, were you still making trips uh, to uh, uh, India to teach at SIAX? Because uh, that's how I met you. I, yeah. I, I think I was living in uh, Delhi at that time. And uh, it, it seemed like I was always uh, slated to uh, teach cultural anthropology in the month of October. And mm. uh, lo and behold, you were always there. And uh, so... Uh, you were making trips back and forth uh, during that time, huh? Yes, yes. Every October, I was uh, scheduled to come and teach systematic theology to a class there at SIAX. Um So yeah, I remember meeting you on several occasions, and it, it was it was a joy. I learned so much from that class, teaching uh, you know traditional systematic theology, but making sure that it was applied into a South Asian context. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had to do a lot of work in learning uh, from my my uh, students uh, how to do that, and it was a, a really exciting adventure. Yeah, I I would certainly agree with that. Uh, you know, you can study cultural anthropology, and it can be very static and just be a course or a subject. But uh, when you begin to interact with the students and uh, learn from within their own context, then it makes the, the experience both for them and for uh, the instructor uh, even richer. So uh, then you got a call to become the principal of SIAC. So what year was that? Uh, they first asked us in 2007. Uh, and... I think that was when it was, and we, yeah, we had a, uh, we, we didn't think very much about it. We said, oh no, surely you, you need a, an Indian, so no, don't, don't we don't feel uh, we could be available for that. And so it, it went away, and, but a year later, we got a phone call from an Indian board member. He, he was a friend, and um, so it was, it, came very differently from the voice of an Indian. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, well, we actually, we're still in the same situation. We're looking for a principal. So would you pray about it? So I, I said, okay, we'll pray about it. And uh, we talked to a, a friend here, a pastor um, in our church, 
And he suggested, why don't you go and pray about it, say at a, a beach somewhere. So we went to Murawai Beach on the west coast of Auckland. And we spent the day in prayer and picnicking and, and yeah, basically seeking the Lord for what, uh, what he wanted us to do. And when we were there, we saw two things which struck us greatly um, as we pondered scripture. But one thing we saw was uh, an island with a whole lot of gannets on it. And the story is that gannets raise their young on this uh, colony. Wait a minute. Now, is that, is that a bird? Yes, yes, okay. it's a seabird. Okay, uh, thank you. <laughs> and, and these birds, um, the parents leave the chicks before they are fully fledged. Mm -hmm. And they fly off into the sunset and the, the young eventually uh, reach enough maturity to make their own flight. But they fly off into the horizon, never having been that way before, and yet driven by an internal impulse to go the right place. Hmm. So we thought, well, if Gannett Young can do that, we, we need to trust ourselves to the call of God as well. <laughs> and the other thing we saw was, was a, what's called a paraponter, uh, a man who has a parachute uh, that that uh, is able to catch the wind and uh, it becomes a sort of a semi-rigid wing above him and as he he trusts himself to the wind off the sea the sea he's caught up and flies uh, high high above mm. and um, that too was a picture of of God's promise that he gives strength uh, to help because really this was the main fear I had cross-cultural leadership of a, of a seminary where you know things some relationship things had got a bit rocky mm -hmm. uh, it, there was it was fraught there was lots of financial challenges as well so uh, I had to trust the Lord that you, even if there was going to be failure, then that would be okay because I, I was doing what he wanted me to do. Mm, wow. So um, so in, in the end, we were accepted uh, as, as principal. Uh, it was a scary journey, uh, scariest journey I've been on ever. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it, was, it was a joy really because um, the Lord opened doors. Uh, things unfolded in ways that that were very positive, and I spent ten years as principal there, and it, it was yeah the most blessed, uh, yeah very exciting adventure of our lives. So. Yeah, I uh, of course uh, those that uh, would hear this uh, podcast from India, they would be very uh, much aware of SIAX. It has uh, probably one of the uh, one of the best testimonies uh, that uh, is in South uh, Asia. And uh, the campus, of course, is just beautiful, second to none. And uh, it is, it's quite, it's quite a, quite a place. And I remember uh, fondly uh, my time uh, uh, teaching there and, and uh, even after you became the principal, uh, it was uh, really a, a joy for me. Um, 
so you were there 10 years. And um, so um, after 10 years, uh, you decided it was time to uh, return. How did that work out for you, Ian? Yeah, uh, with 2014, the Hindu fundamentalist government came to power and things started to tighten up. Uh, the bureaucratic hostility, low-level sort of harassment of Christian organizations was quite in full swing. Uh, eventually, uh, I, uh, I said, look, I think we need to go home. Uh, the board said, no, no, surely another year or two, please. But we, we insisted, no, we, we really do need to go. And um, it, it was just as well, really. I was stopped at the airport by customs, immigration officials accused of being, um, you know, wrongly on doing stuff on the wrong visa. And uh, they investigated me and nearly threw me out of the country. But anyway, uh, as it turns out, they eventually did not uh, do that. Mm. But it illustrated the sensitivity of being in a role like that it was too great for uh, a foreigner to, to continue doing that role. So right. we, we were very content to leave and had a joyful celebration when we left. Uh, 2018, um, May, April, end of April, we left mm -hmm. and uh, we returned to New Zealand. And um, yeah, it, it's been a fascinating uh, transition, settling back into our old house, finding it incredibly freezing because we've, we were acclimatized to India. <laughs> hey, you, ought, you ought to be in Arkansas right now if you want to know what yeah, cold is. You're all right. Uh, <laughs> So, like yeah, um, you still go back to to uh, SIAC from time to time to teach or not? Yes, yes, I go back each October when possible. Obviously, the pandemic has suspended everything at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but yes, I, I still teach that class. And even this last October, November, I taught it online. Uh, we, we started online teaching at SIAX about five, six years ago, so that's stood the institution in good stead yeah, yeah. to transition there. Yeah. So all their students are not on campus at the moment. It, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I am involved that way, but also my main involvement now is as executive director of Theologians Without Borders. Yeah, tell, uh, us, to, tell us a little uh, bit about that. Yeah, uh, our aim is to uh, promote synergy in theological education on a global scale. Uh, and so one way we do that, the main way we do that is by fostering the matching of Western scholars who are willing to volunteer to teach short term at majority world institutions. So we are connected with ISET, the International Council for Evangelical Christian uh, Education and uh, uh, Theological Education, beg your pardon. So there's some 200 of their schools. I think they have a thousand schools around the world connected with them, but some 200 of them 
are operating at master's level. And so the, the opportunity there for credible, trained and uh, evangelical scholars to visit, physically visit, or uh, now we're organizing online visitors for institutions that ask us. So it's very exciting to see yeah. uh, help, like, like you and I were doing at SIAX, uh, I realized there was so much value when visitors come and they fit in, so long as they fit in well, what mm. they contribute is absolutely awesome. And mm -hmm. students love the stimulation of a global perspective. Uh, the scholars themselves, I mean, we learn so much from doing the visits too. Mm -hmm. Sure. And yeah. it addresses some of the imbalances that are afflicting global theological education. Mm -hmm. the, the resource uh, dependence is so different. The, there's less books, less faculty, less money, uh, all sorts of things on the one side. But on the other hand, the, the majority world is where the church is most vital and growing the best and, mm. and the need is the highest. So mm. we're, we're seeking to address that. Good. Well, I, uh, I'm supposing you're going to be, in fact, you have, you sent me some material. Uh, if someone wanted to learn a little bit more about um, this um, program or this uh, uh, project that you're involved in, uh, how would they contact you? Is there a website uh, or uh, how would they get a hold of you? Yes, uh, yes, the website is, is set up to be a significant point of communication and application and all sorts. So it is www.theologianswithoutborders.org. Okay, great, good. Very easy. I will... We, we, uh, we've got uh, updates and newsletters and podcasts and things up there. Wonderful, great. Well, that's uh, all very interesting. Sounds like it takes an awful lot of your time. You're also working with your local church there uh, in where you're living, is that right? Yes, yes. A couple of days a week, I'm uh, interim pastor of our church that's comment, uh, yeah, commended us for 25 years now. So um, it's a thrill to be able to give back uh, to them in their circumstances. That's great. Yeah. Well, uh, Ian, I really appreciate your time. Um, you know, uh, someone that's uh, listening to this podcast, they may want to you know, especially from North America, they may not know a whole lot about uh, missions from uh, New Zealand, or uh, maybe you might be able to give a little bit of a flavor of the uh, the church in New Zealand, how they're doing uh, on their mission uh, outreach. Uh, sure. Okay. I'm I'm not greatly an expert here, having just arrived a couple of years ago, but but I think that New Zealand churches are doing fairly well. Uh, there is an increased uh, understanding that we need to be bicultural, that is to respect the partnership and cultural journey that, that European New Zealanders uh, share with Maori New Zealanders. Uh, so there's a lot more spoken uh, te reo, the Maori language. Uh, that is uh, to address some of the injustices that occurred 150 years ago and, and uh, the implications that flow on from that. So that's one very positive development. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's an increasing 
desire to uh, reach out locally and to address economic uh, disparities that are growing. Uh, I think we face some huge challenges. The issue of how we uh, welcome or embrace uh, rainbow community uh, people, uh, LGB type people without, uh, um, without confirming or approving uh, that their behavior that's sure. that's an issue of of deep concern at the moment yeah, yeah. Uh, i think the biggest thing that we face is that like many parts of the world uh, new zealand christians are very comfortable and really speaking uh, that's sort of become an idol in our culture we mm -hmm. we we want and we arrange life primarily around being comfortable rather than around obeying uh, the Lord Jesus. So that's, that's a significant problem. Yeah. Well, if uh, someone's listening to this podcast, um, you know, give us uh, maybe your heart, maybe some things that is really uh, the things that really burdens you or challenges you that you would like to share with our audience. This would be a good time to do it. It may have to do with theological education. It may have to do with uh, uh, just missionaries going out to unreached areas. Uh, just kind of give us um, your heart uh, as you uh, as you think about these uh, different aspects of uh, missions. Uh, sure, Richard. Um, yeah, let me simply reiterate a theme that a lot of people have said that that mission is partnership with God and what he's doing. Uh, so we join him in drawing people to Jesus. Uh, so it's the Father's heart that, that is to bless the world that is our mandate to seek to bless others too. And we need to do that by his spirit rather than by methods and manipulation and making it happen. So it's a joyful participation with God and what he's doing. Uh, it also involves a partnership with churches, uh, local churches, the historic church of, of, uh, of 20 centuries. Um, it also has to do with recognizing that the, there are differences in the world. So uh, Theologians Without Borders is very aware of the the cultural and resource imbalances that affect missions and obviously it affects global theological education as well. Mm -hmm. So one of the passions I have is that when we seek to partner with people that we do so aware of the power imbalances that exist in our different settings, mm -hmm. um, we, we rich Westerners don't realize how how impossible it is for uh, some people to withstand our suggestions um, when we make them. So we need to be a little bit more uh, alert to hearing from, from them and working with them in ways that they feel comfortable with rather than us uh, depositing grand solutions from a distance uh, sure. into their paddocks. So, yeah, you know, those are the sorts of, that's the sort of meaning that partnership has, and it's a joy to, to work with local Christians from all around the world, 
Uh, God's doing some funny stuff with migrants all around the world, and they're coming here. So we have an opportunity to to demonstrate this cultural humility, even in our own context, very often. Well, thank you, Ian. I uh, truly appreciate um, hearing from you and listening to uh, your perspective uh, and to hear your journey. And uh, it's uh, it's been a delight uh, to uh, connect with you again. And and who knows, maybe I'll see you in India or some other place some, somewhere down the line. But uh, uh, hopefully, I, I hopefully. Yeah, I, I do appreciate the, the work that you're doing, and we will certainly uh, want to encourage people to go to the website, and I'll repeat that uh, at the end of the, this recording. So, uh, Ian, thank you again. God bless. Uh, please uh, uh, greet uh, Judith for me, and um, we look forward to maybe talking to you again about another subject somewhere down the line. It's wonderful to talk to you, Richard. Thank you for the opportunity. God bless you too. What I enjoy most about this podcast is the interaction that I have with different members of the body of Christ around the world. Dr. Payne has a passion for partnering with other theologians in schools across the globe to strengthen the church worldwide. Again, you can contact Dr. Payne through the website theologianswithoutborders.org and he would be happy to answer your questions and to discuss with you their work and ministry. Well, wherever you are this day, remember, it's hard to grow your faith inside your comfort zone. So as the Lord said to Joshua, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Until next time, be courageous. Jumbo Bwana means hello, mister. Swahili ni raisi. It's no tongue twister. No problem. Hakuna matata. Welcome friend, it's Karibu Rafiki. Let's have some chai with lots of iliki. No problem. 